Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Jordan Nixon podcast. Pretty simple, pretty straightforward. Uh, just kidding. The Texas 24 podcast. Um, I'm your host, Matthew Bruni, and joining me today is Ishmael Johnson. Ish, say what's up. Yo, man. And we have Justin Carter once again from our Dave Campbell site. And if you enjoy the content, be sure to subscribe. Leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple. Uh, check out all of the content on texasbasketball.com. Follow us on Twitter at DCT Basketball. And yeah, let's let's get straight into it. This is going to be our women's basketball podcast. Uh, I mean, like I said, this is the Jordan Nixon podcast right now. So um, after Tech, Texas A&M somehow gets to the Sweet 16, we're going to start with them, get to all the other seeds, Texas, Baylor, all that good stuff. Um, but yeah, let's let's start with Jordan Nixon. I'll throw it to Ish first. Um, Texas A&M, how did they do it? Oh, God. Uh, well, basically, I, I got to give I got to give a lot of credit to Justin because he called like a yes. lot of the uh, not exactly how it happened, but he called like. You know, we had this our preview podcast. We said, you know, who for AM would be the one to step up? He says he sees Jordan Nixon as that potential person. Um, even on Twitter, I didn't I didn't even know this until yesterday. Uh, I didn't know you said on Twitter that uh, that you see a buzzer beater in Jordan Nixon's near future in the tournament. Um, but there was some even when she was having a great game. I just thought Iowa State was shooting way too well. I thought there it was going to be similar to I think the game against Tech where they hit like 19 threes or something like that. It seemed like it was going to be that kind of game and Ashley Jones was on fire and you know I think she played like full, almost the full game 40 over 40 minutes and they just I want to say they hit like over 50% from 3 and I thought that was it. I thought AM didn't have the shooting to get back into it. I thought they'd be uh, there were sometimes what they were pressing a lot um or having a lot of poor shot selection from deep just trying to uh, just trying to get back into it. And I thought eventually it would be a numbers game, right? AM would settle yeah. for twos with India Jones and Sierra Johnson. And Iowa State would just keep knocking down threes. But Jordan Nixon, dear God. Like, also, can we just – Iowa State, stop the ball. Like, I don't know. Like, on that last play, it was – it was as, as a obviously, as somebody who covers the state of Texas, that's awesome. Like, I love that. But yeah. as a basketball fan, I'm like, how do you not just – Stop ball. I don't know. Yeah, Jordan the, Nixon the got the point line or something because she's been downhill. Somewhere, somewhere. She was full downhill. I don't know. That was that was mind blowing to me. Yeah. Um, Iowa State ends up shooting 16 to 30 from three. Uh, just a ridiculous number. The difference was AM forced 24 turnovers and only committed seven themselves. Uh, Justin, um, I mean, you are the prophet at this point. Uh, but what did you see <laughs> in that game? And even going back to the Troy game, how did uh, AM pull this out for you? I mean, Anum's been like a really tough team to figure out in this tournament, right? Like of all the top two seeds, they're like the one that hasn't been impressive, I guess. Like they haven't been like blowing teams out. Um, and I mean, I guess, I guess we talked last time that they, they had to have that player who stepped up and was like the tournament player. And I think hopefully for them, Jordan Nixon was that last game because they've, just, I don't know, something seemed off, I guess, in these first two games. Um I mean, they've also faced some really good offenses, right? Troy and Iowa State are both teams that can really score the ball. Um, and so I guess, I don't know. I, I don't know. I was, A&M's defense let them down during these games, mm-hmm. um, which is weird because they did fine defensively against the SEC, which is such a great conference. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's been, a, it was a strange two rounds. Um, but Jordan Nixon saved them, right? Um, yeah. 
and officiating calls also that were kind of questionable at times helped, but I don't know if we want to get into that or not. Yeah, no, yeah. it's, we, yeah. I mean, well, I will say a little bit on the, on the dominant side, I think, I don't know if this is an official, I'm, I'm really curious. I'll have to look this up, but you mentioned it like they're 25 and two, but they haven't really, you know, put their foot down on teams. They're, they've, they've played, you know, they played really good teams. They play in the sec. They obviously their non-conference yeah. was pretty good too. But they, I believe, let me see, I'm counting. I was right looking, now. I was looking that up last night because there were a few, like, I was looking at their schedule. There's like, all right, you have some close games in here that they are had 12 like, games within single digits. Yeah. And like for a, for a two loss powerhouse team in, in, in women's basketball, that's a lot for, you know, again, for a 25 and two team, a two C, like Justin said, that's a lot of close ish games. And I believe on the broadcast last night, they said this is like their sixth win within like five points. And so, it is an interesting thing where it's like you eventually do want this team to start blowing out, not even, not even like blowing out good teams, just blowing out. Like, I mean, they blow out bad teams, but like eventually you'll see that the, the top, one of the top five teams blow out number 20, number 15 or something. Right. But even with AM, like, you know, they lost to Georgia. They beat Tennessee by, I think barely by 10, they beat Arkansas by two, right. That's like six, uh, it's like 16 ish uh, range. Mm-hmm. It, it's it that's kind of the team those are kind of the teams that you kind of wish there would be a little bit more separation from if you really think that they're this contender that you think they could potentially be and i don't know maybe i mean there also is something to be said about just finding ways to get these things done right like they're 20 there are 25 and 2 in the end at the end of the day so it's not like you know they're they're lucking themselves into these wins there is something to getting on these kind of runs and knowing how to eke these games out and i think that's where their depth kind of comes into it because um, they're just so they're just so tough inside and they have I think they're a part of it is like the the methodicalness of their uh, uh, when when players like Jordan Nixon aren't stepping out individually there is something to just letting the machine take care of itself and like working working with that starting five working inside just really letting things just control the game and you know, obviously when something like Iowa State happens and they have to go, they have to change things up, it can happen. But when things don't get too out of control, I think they're just comfortable in those scenarios because they know something's going to work in the end. So yeah, uh, it, it is it is interesting to see like a, a top two seed not be dominant. Yeah. Um, and I say that and watch them go and destroy Arizona or something next. Yeah. But, um, but you know, but yeah, that's a good point. That is a good point about yeah. their kind of close games this year. And Troy, Troy was such a unique team in the way mm-hmm. that they played, the pace that they played. Uh, I mean, that's something that you don't really see. Um, Troy, yeah, Troy. When I was covering Texas State, Troy was always the team that Coach Z at Texas State always just – you could tell she just hated game planning for. Yeah. Because they – like you mentioned, they're so fast-paced. They play so recklessly, and but they do it so well. And so, like, it's hard to just, like, really be up for that type of game, um, especially if you're a team like AM, which, when you know, with a lot of their advantage is size. And, like, you know, if you're, they're not letting you set up in the half court, like, okay, like, you know, that, there goes your advantage. But, um, yeah, that, that's, a, that's another good point about the two types of teams, right? You play a fast-paced team, and then you play a team that just loves to jack 10, you know, just loves to hit 10 plus threes a game. Yeah. So, Justin, coming off of – Allowing 80 and 82 points, how concerned are you about this AM defense moving forward with Arizona up next and then potentially North Carolina State? I mean, I'm worried, I guess. Um, I mean, 
but also yeah, Troy's so unique. I, I just looked it up and they've led division one in pace four years in a row. I mean, I don't <laughs> think a and is going to have to deal with that again. Um, and Iowa state is just such a great three point shooting team. I, I, it was two uniquely different scenarios. I, I mean, Arizona seems like a team that might not have those same highs as a scoring team. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, they, do score a decent number of points, but they're yeah, they only, not they like only scored 52 on BYU. Um, and obviously they scored 79 in the first round game, but, and they played yeah. from behind against BYU for a, a majority of that game. And they're only 129th in the country in scoring. So I think mm. this is a game where I don't think a and going to have to worry so much about like where they find points in mm-hmm. terms of like a, like a high paced matchup, but Arizona is also really good defensively. So I think it's a game where, AM needs to I, mean, I guess maybe grind out another close one again, just like maybe like a lower scoring close one. Yeah, um, I th- can yeah. do you think they can rely on Nixon to do I'm not gonna say do this consistently because she put up I think 27, 28 shots, but do you think they need her to score over 20 plus in order to win these uh, upcoming games? I don't know. I mean, I I think against Arizona, that game might be low scoring enough that true their their normal kind of approach mm-hmm. works. Um, but then going forward, I mean, you you need someone on the perimeter who can do that. And I mean, A and M is a team that is so reliant on getting the ball inside um, and not shooting threes and all of that stuff. That like I think yeah, they need Nixon or someone else, probably Nixon to. To, yeah, to step up at some point in this tournament and continue doing that. Um, I think uh, Jones and Jones didn't play, didn't have a great scoring game. She rebounded very well, um, obviously, but she you know, only put up nine points. Um, that's probably something that you know that might even out a little more. Um, Kayla Wells, Aaliyah, jo- Aaliyah Wilson might get going a little more. Um, Aaliyah Wilson didn't really shoot very well, so those are things that might even out when they're when they're back into their usual rotation, where Jordan Nixon wouldn't need to put up that many shots. Um, but it's good to have that in their back pocket now, right? It's good to know that in times of crisis, okay, they have this volume score that can really fill it up if need be. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't count on a lot of these other players going as, as cold as they did against Iowa state. And I, I'll credit Iowa state with that. I think they really got them out of their comfort zone. I really think that, uh, until that late, that late run, uh, there were some times I think in the, in the early fourth quarter where AM was just jacking terrible shots. And I'm just like, what is, what is happening? Like this is, you can tell they were really a little bit flustered. Um, and I'm wondering what Gary Blair kind of told them to like really settle them down to like really get things going um, defensively first. And then um, to translate that on offense. And before anybody gets onto us, yes, it was a backcourt violation. Okay, fine. Like, yes, against Troy, like it's, it's clear, right. It happens. Things like that happens. Um, unfortunate, but yes, it, it, yes, it was calls went against, uh, Troy that shouldn't have yeah. unfortunate. Yeah, that was, that was Knox. tough, but it is, yeah, it is basketball. At the end it, happens. It. it happens. I've, you know, see it at every single level of basketball at this point, man. It, it does suck because how hard Troy played just because it's such a yeah, good that, game. That, but... I was about to say that that's, that's the worst part is that now, yeah. now people are focused on the call that was, it was a it was the wrong call, but yeah, it was like, Oh, come on. You had this like perfect clash of styles going yeah. at it. Like, yeah that was the the fact that it ended that way was the unfortunate part yeah and so just as consensus we're all pretty comfortable with a&m against arizona here 
I'm a, I don't want to say I don't want to pick them to win, but I'd, I'd say I'm I'm I, I like the matchup. I think they'll I think Justin uh, made a good point about their usual game plan probably working better than it did against Troy and and at Iowa State. Um, so I, I feel I feel okay about it. Yeah. Okay. And then you got NC State and Indiana. Um, obviously, NC State is NC State. Uh, do we think because we're not going to do another podcast before this a potential mm-hmm. Elite Eight matchup? Uh, do we think? Uh, do they, do they have to do anything special against NC State, or, or what do we think there, Justin? I mean, I think you. I think if uh, to beat a team against NC State, you do need someone to have those kind of heroics or something, right? Um, I mean, they're another one of these really good scoring teams. Um, you know, when I when I tweeted three weeks ago that Jordan Nixon was going to hit a buzzer beater in the tournament, I thought it'd be against a team like NC State, I guess, mm. or you know, something like that, and the elite eight. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I, NC State's a good team. I don't know that, that that'll be a, a really fun matchup if it happens. Um, yeah. Still got, still got some ways to go there. Um, anything else on AM before we, before we go, move on? Uh, no, I think uh, they're answering a lot of the questions uh, that I had about them so far, which is good to see. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the six-seeded Texas women's um, beat Bradley in the first round by 19 and then beat UCLA 71 to 62. Um, def- I mean, defensive masterclass in the first half, especially just completely shutting down UCLA for- and pulling out this win. Um, I mean, Ish, you want to start us off here? What did you see from Texas? Uh, man, Vic Schaefer magic. I don't know. Like that was, that was, I, I said like that would be the biggest feather in the cap for UT is that Vic Schaefer doesn't lose early in the tournament. Um, and that UCLA game was basically perfect almost like they led almost wire to wire. I think they might've led wire to wire. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned the first half where they were just turning over UCLA constantly. Celeste Taylor was fantastic on both ends of the floor. Um, she was diving for loose balls, just absolutely made that backcourt life hell. Um, they didn't need Charlie Collier to really be a scorer at all, which is great. Like, you know, obviously anytime you can be, uh, pull an upset and your best player doesn't need to have a good game. That's awesome. Um, yeah, no, that was, that was awesome. Like that was exactly what we hope to see from Texas because you wondered, would they rely too much on Charlie Collier having to do everything and, no, not at all. They didn't need to do anything really in this game. <laughs> yeah. Justin, did, did this catch you off guard at all? Um, I mean, I, I think, I don't know. I think you, Texas winning with Charlie Collier playing so poorly, both is like encouraging and discouraging in some ways. Um, you know, I, if you told me before this game that they would beat UCLA, by what they did and lead, you know, by double digits for most of the game and the Collier had five points, I would have, I wouldn't have believed that, I guess. Um, I mean, the guard play was just outstanding in that one. Um, but I'm also worried about like Charlie Collier against good teams. Um, you know, I thought maybe it was just Baylor that had her number, but I don't know. I, I guess going into the sweet 16, I'm now, really not sure what to think about texas i should feel really good after that win but i don't know yeah um go ahead sorry 
Oh no, that was that was all I yeah, had. So, on that. so I mean, yeah. Then they go up, like you said, against a Maryland team that put up ninety eight in the first round and one hundred in the second round. Um, they're going to need Collier to presumably score the ball, but um, it's a good question. Justin has is that can Charlie carry them enough against really good teams? And that's where I I don't know. Ish, what do you think? Yeah, I think her hoop stats has Maryland. They pro- they're projecting him as an eighty six percent favorite. Um, so it's, I mean, it, trust me, Maryland should be the decided favorite in this yeah. one. Um, I believe they're, God, they're almost projecting him a 15 point, uh, margin. Um, this is going to be it, right? This is going to be it. This is, this is going to be what we see. I don't know if Texas's defense is going to be enough to stop a really good Maryland offense. And when it, when, if you don't get a performance like this, Right, that they, did against, that they did against UCLA. This is when you need Charlie Collier to really emerge and be the number one, the presumed number one pick. That it's a good point about how she just hasn't performed as well as you'd like against the top competition that she's played. Um, and yeah, Baylor is a unique situation, but I mean, Maryland's not. I don't. Say, I think Baylor's better, but Maryland's pretty damn good. And I want to say they're, let me see. I mean, her hoop stats has them better than Baylor. And so if whether it's Baylor just having her number and just being that focused on defense and being able to key in on one person is one thing, but I, I, we haven't seen her really flex her muscles against the top competition. I'm trying to look back on, she scored 14 against A&M. She scored 14 against Iowa state. I mean, thir- even 13 against Tech, um, 22 against Iowa State, so there's one. And that's kind of it. Like, I'm really looking at it, and it feels like that's it. And 28 against Oklahoma State, so that was her high against one, against some of the top teams this year. But you look at two against Baylor in 29 minutes, 12 and 33 minutes against Baylor. And it's like, okay, when's that? And then you mentioned UCLA, right? Five points, 26 minutes. So it's a nice, it's an interesting double-edged sword where it's like, yeah, they, you know, awesome. They found a way to win without Charlie Collier, but it's also like, uh, is that them trying to figure out like, okay, maybe she's not going to be as dominant in those games that we need her to be. Yeah. Because can, can they get in a guard battle with Maryland? I I don't know. Um, Justin, do you think it's more likely that they can slow Maryland down or do you think they, they're going to have to score with them? I think they have to score with them. I mean, Maryland's just, I mean, the, the top scoring team in the country, um, they, you know, they put up a hundred, what, three, four, five, six, seven times this year. <laughs> um, and I think, I don't know. I think I don't know exactly how to like think about Maryland because they played in the big 10, which was not a very good defensive conference all year. So like mm-hmm. maybe some of that scoring is just like big 10 defense is not having a way to stop them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they put up a hundred against Alabama, who's an SEC school, who I mean, not a great defensive one, but like they should be better than some of those Big Ten defenses. Um, so I don't. I think Texas has to score. I, I, I like think uh, hold Maryland to sixty or something. Right, right. That's yeah. That's probably not going to happen. I'm looking at it right now. Uh, her hoop stats has Maryland ninety first percentile in pace. 99th percentile in net uh, margin over uh, margin of victory per 100 possessions, uh, 100th percentile in offensive rating, 
99th percentile in margin of victory per game. So, yeah, this well, is going to be a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, we don't have to write the uh, obituary yet on Texas. Sure. Uh, we can wait till if they lose one of these next two games uh, against because uh, then if they beat Maryland, in theory, they'd have um, what I just blank uh, South Carolina. And that's a handful in itself. I was but, about to say, this is like, even if they pull an upset over Maryland, like then it's like, all right, cool. Now here comes Aaliyah Boston and gang. But, like, <laughs> but, in, but in theory, I mean, have they not already done enough to kind of be like, all right, this is a good year and a first year coach, you know, like, what do you think? I, I think that's a, that's a good point. Like that was my, that was kind of what I don't want to say worries, but I think, I think Justin wrote a little bit about it too, where it's like, it was kind of a mixed bag under Vic Schaefer so far. You saw like the inklings of something, but you really saw like a lot of inconsistencies with not due to him, but just more of what he was dealt. Um, but I'd say, yeah, if, if, you know, this far sweet 16 under Vic Schaefer's first year, yeah, the fact that we did have these questions about the team, like, I'd say that's, you know, that's, that's a mark for the future that this is, you know, he's going to have this thing. Once he gets his players in his system in all that stuff, like I'd say this is something to look forward to. Yeah. All right. Uh, anything else on Texas, Justin, or, any, or we can go move on. I don't think so. All right. Let's go um, to Baylor who had a lot less interesting um, <laughs> results. Uh, they ended up beating Jackson state by 49 and then beat Virginia tech by 42 uh, to put them into the Sweet 16 against Michigan on the same side of or in the same region as UConn and Iowa playing at the top, but let's just talk about what, what we've seen from Baylor first, and you know, going into that Michigan matchup. Justin, I'll let you start us off here. Yeah, I think what's impressed me the most about Baylor has been um, how Moon Erson's played in this postseason. Um, you know, we, we know what we're going to get from their bigs, right? Um, I think the big question mark is if, you know, could they perform on the outside? And so far, Moon Erson's been great out there. Um, you know, she's had two of her best games of the season in the tournament, which is what you love to see. Um, and they survived the fact that they had, you know, Nelissa Smith foul trouble in the first half against Virginia Tech. Um, yeah, I mean, Baylor's doing, I guess, what I thought Baylor would do, which was be very very good um and i guess we'll see as the games get tougher if they can keep doing that but i mean their defense is just playing at an absurd level right now um and michigan uh, you know that, i that think they can slow down michigan yeah. yeah that face tells me everything i need to know <laughs> about, about michigan <laughs> yeah no i i think against uh it was funny you know obviously we had questions about their outside shooting uh, coming in then against Jackson state, they just go ahead and just knock down everything. It seemed like um, not everything, but everything for in, in uh, for Baylor, right. They went six yeah. of 15 and that was enough. I was like, oh, okay, if moon Urson's is just going to shoot three of four from three, like that's just cool. But she was also getting everything inside, like against Virginia tech. She, I don't know. Like I didn't see this coming at all. Like if she can, I'm not even saying she needs to do what she's been doing, like scoring 20 or whatever. If she can just give you consistent, 15 as an option like oh my gosh that's that'd be huge he was always that you know that that kind of firecracker player but it seems like she's kicked it to another level now that you know they they obviously play that big lineup with her and trinity oliver is the only two um really the only two true guards in there but 
it's I don't know like she, yeah if she can if she can continue to play at this level that's going to be a problem because when you get to you know whoever they presumably play Iowa or uh, Iowa or UConn you're going to need some type of guard play because obviously a DD Richards is going to be guarding whoever you know whoever they get um, out of those two teams but you know you, you do want somebody to match their scoring to some extent um, just in case because you're probably not going to be able to shut them down for a full game so if they can get that from the outside like I don't know like that there go there goes all my questions about Baylor if basically they get some type of guard production um, if Moon Erson's going to turn into that go-to uh, one of those go-to players and if they can get a little bit more from their guards like again there go all of my questions about Baylor's uh, uh, prospects in this tournament like they more or less move into that or kind of solidify their spot in that upper echelon. Yeah, and they played Michigan, who did beat Tennessee pretty handily by 15 in the round of 32. Uh, but if I mean, we kind of assume that Baylor is going to continue to roll into that next round, and which would be either UConn or Iowa, um, which would just be a sensational matchup. I mean, oh, you, UConn Iowa itself is going to be a sensational matchup. But then you go go Baylor against the winner of that. Um, Again, let's talk about that real quickly. I mean, if, if they mm-hmm. play UConn, because uh, I think UConn would be the favorite against Iowa, uh, what do they have to do to beat UConn, Justin? I mean, I think you have to slow down Paige Beckers, right? Yeah. Um, I think I think you just throw D.D. Richards on her and hope she can do that, because I think the rest of UConn's team is good. They have a lot of talent, but, like, there's some inconsistency on the rest of the team, which I think Paige kind of covers up by just being so good. Um, I mean, I think you have to force the ball out of her hands, force other players to make plays for UConn. And I think that's your path to winning if you're Baylor. Um, I think so too. I think the, I would not be shocked if Mulkey told Didi Richards, like, Hey, don't worry about offense. Like, Moonerson's going to bring the ball up. You know, you don't have to, because she's basically been their de facto point guard. You don't have to worry about offense. You're just going to be picking up Paige Beckers the entire game because if they can shut her down, like I don't feel as confident in the rest of that. The rest of that UConn team is good, right? Obviously they're UConn, but so much runs through her playmaking and her ability to create that. I mean, I'm okay with, you know, them saying, hey, Kristen Williams, be the one to beat us, right? I'm okay with saying, you know, Westbrook, be the one to beat us as opposed to um, letting it run through their best player. So, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if they take the ball out of Dee Richards' hands on offense and just tell her to worry about, you know, being yeah. the best defender in the nation against probably the best player. Yeah. Well, let's get some predictions from y'all. Do y'all think, do you think Baylor makes the Final Four? Yeah. I mean, I have them winning in my bracket the whole thing so i'm gonna there you go <laughs> i i have i have them making the final four definitely yeah. all right all right let's go we're gonna hold y'all to that all i also right. think i also think the one th- the other thing is it's it's an intangible thing but you, this is also a young yukon team right like this is an experienced baylor team with a not a nice blend of uh, youth and experience but a, for the most part that core is the core that really helped them win the national title a couple years ago. I think that's going to play into their favor as well. UConn, this core is going to be together for two to three years. Like they'll be back, but they haven't really been punched in the mouth a lot. And I think Mulkey knows that. And I think that's something she's going to exploit as well. Yeah. All right. 
on to the fourth team of the tournament. Uh, Stephen F. Austin led at halftime against Georgia Tech, 34-17. to 17. I, I was on my way to the stadium in Indianapolis. I was like, all right, Stephen F. Austin, sweet, we, we did it. And mm-hmm. uh, then I checked back, and they lost in overtime, 54-52. to um, I did not watch the second half of that game, so I'll allow y'all to fill me in. But uh, just, I, you know what, Ish, we'll let you – go ahead, go ahead. Justin, no, you go. <laughs> All right, Justin, you go. <laughs> I mean, that first half was so fun. It was perfect. Great. It was so yeah. fun. <laughs> I mean, they moved the ball around. They they shot well. Um, I mean, I guess they were a little advantage was that um, the relic buy for Georgia Tech did leave the game for a little bit, mm-hmm. um, which kind of took away some of that size for Georgia Tech. But they played a pretty perfect first half. 17 point halftime lead. Um, and then, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, th- I think, I think part of it is, I think they got a little too, they got a little too conservative with the clock. Mm-hmm. Um, and they tried to, I think, play the clock game a lot and really they, they went away from what was working, which was just constant, uh, not constant. They didn't go away from constant ball movement, but they really, passed up a lot of shots, passed up a lot of opportunities for the sake of just getting that perfect shot with five seconds to go or something. And Georgia Tech, I mean, when you're down 17, you're just going to push the ball. And Georgia Tech just started to have a lot more urgency. And I don't know, like it, it, it eventually just swung. And it it was like one of those like very slow kind of uh, uh, comebacks, right? Where it wasn't all instant. It wasn't like some big run, but it was like you just blinked and it was like, oh, wait, this is a four point game. And then all of a sudden, Georgia Tech's right back in it. And the I know the press, uh, Georgia Tech a- uh, activated their press, which gave them some issues as well in the in the third quarter. Um, SFA started to turn the ball over a little bit more. But yeah, I think they just went away from a lot of early shots and they started to drain the clock a little bit too much. And, you know, even with that, like, God, that, that shot Brittingham had at the, at the buzzer like that. Oh God. Like I felt so bad for her because she played great. And for it to end on that, where it's like, you know, there's no one that she's going to blame except her for that. And it's like, you know, cause that type of shot you should be hitting, but yeah, I don't know. It was a, uh, it was painful to watch. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think one thing too um, is that like SA was just really inefficient at the rim in this game and in the mm-hmm. paint. And I think I love the kind of analytically based approach they take to offense where they just don't do a lot of mid range stuff. But I think yeah. this was the game where you needed to realize like we can't score inside against this team. Mm-hmm. And just like, I mean, there were a few times where I think they passed up what could have been a fairly open mid-range shot to go take a contested shot inside that they missed. Um, Mm -hmm. I think, I don't know, something like recognizing that you're not getting it done inside earlier might've been helpful. Right. Yeah. I I agree. It was, uh, it was frustrating because like, you know, we mentioned like, this is a team that, you know, based off resume, they weren't underseated, but just based off the advanced metrics, like, you know, they were better than what they were seated. Um, and it was real at halftime, especially it was like, okay, th- they're proving literally everything that we thought. And 
Yeah, and then it, it would it would have just been so much fun to see this team continue to move on, because um, it was a spe- it's a special group, and like you know, Brittingham will be back. Uh, I think Vishra will Vishra will be back too. I think. Yeah, she's um, a junior. Yeah, uh, I think Ayana Johnson's gone. Um, I think Ayana Johnson's also a junior. Is she okay? There's some. There is one senior that I'm forgetting about. There's there's, there's a couple of seniors on the team, but it's yeah. a lot of underclassmen. Yeah, so I mean they'll be back. Um, not in uh, probably not in the same capacity exactly because they do. Have, I'm blanking on the seniors right now, but they do have some key seniors on the team. Um, but you know it would have been really cool to see this core together because I feel like this would have been a team that it, it was a team that quite nearly captured people's attention nationwide um, if they would have pulled this upset and especially if they would have held on to the fact to the to the margin right if they would have beaten georgia tech by you know 15 10 to 15 then it would have been like oh okay who's this sfa team that is you know basically top 10 in every advanced metric in the nation so um you know disappointing end but i mean damn what a team (laughs) what a ride i I tweeted that it was a special team so yeah to go to go to your point i mean georgia tech then goes on to beat west virginia by 17 and and then moves into uh, the Sweet 16 against South Carolina. And so if so- Stephen F. Austin maybe gets a 10 seed or 11 seed or something, you you know, maybe something could have happened there. But, uh, yeah, great season from Stephen F. Austin. Uh, anything else, Justin, on, on them? I don't think so. All right. All right. Well, I believe that's all we had for you all today. Um, let me run down what time the games are. Baylor plays on Saturday at 2 Central Time. Uh, A&M plays on Saturday at 7 and Texas plays on Sunday at 8. So spaced out games. Um, we'll see if they can do it. Uh, I don't know and what time non, the... In non-Texas news, uh, Iowa-UConn on ABC at noon on Saturday. I'm glad they got ABC. I'm so pumped they got that on uh, on ABC at noon because uh, that deserves all the attention, yep. even though UConn might blow them out, but who cares? Yep. Well, there you go. <laughs> two, two of the best players in the country right there for sure. Um all right, man. That's that's all we have for y'all today. We appreciate Justin for joining us again, and yeah, thanks for joining us again. Follow all of our content on at DCT Basketball on Twitter, uh, TexasBasketball.com. Follow Ish on Twitter, Ishmael R Johnson. Uh, follow me at Matthew Bruni underscore Justin. What's your Twitter again? Um, just Carts. There you go. There you go. So follow our content there, and yeah, we'll talk to y'all later. <laughs>